I have a question for you as I begin the message this morning. How many of you are familiar with the sport of polo, played with horses? How many of you have ever heard of polo played with elephants? How many of you believe that polo is played with elephants? Raise your hand. All right, let me see if I can get more of you to believe this. What if I told you that I know for a fact that polo is played on elephants? How many of you would believe it then? If I told you, I guarantee, okay? Um, how many of you would believe it if I showed you a picture? All right, for the skeptical, here's a picture. People actually play polo on elephants. And this sport is played in places like India and Thailand and Nepal. You might notice there are two people on the elephant. One is to steer the elephant and the other is to hit the ball. Now here's another question. How many of you believe that there are cats, I'm talking about house cats, that glow in the dark? How many of you believe that? I mean, really, they just, it's not, it, it's not fiction, it's fact. How many, how many of you believe that? Okay, what if I told you, as your pastor and friend, that I know for a fact that there are glow-in-the-dark cats? How many of you would believe it then? Okay, a few more. Um, what if I showed you a picture of a glow-in-the-dark cat? How many of you would believe it if you saw a picture? And this is not Photoshopped, by the way. This is a glow-in-the-dark cat. It's kind of creepy looking, isn't it? But what scientists did, they, they actually altered the cat's DNA by using a virus to insert this genetic code for making a fluorescent protein. Okay, one final question. How many of you believe that there is such a thing as deer, D-E-E-R, deer with fangs? Wow, nobody believes that one. Okay, what if I told you that I know for a fact there are deer with fangs? How many of you would believe it? If I told you that, okay? What if I showed you, a, at this point, you'd probably believe anything I told you, right? What if I showed you a picture of deer with fangs? Would you believe that? Well, there it is. Okay, there are deer with fangs. In fact, they're not really fangs. They're called tusks. And, and by the way, I learned these fun facts from my grandson, Noah, um, during our family, give it, our family visit at Thanksgiving. But here's my point in showing you all these pictures. When I first told you about playing polo on an elephant or a cat that glows in the dark, or a deer with fangs, you probably were skeptical, right? And then I said, well, how many of you would believe that if I told you, and quite a few more hands went up. Now, why is that? Well, because some of you trusted me, and you believed that I would tell you the truth. And there's a word for that. It's our topic this morning, and that word is faith. And church, faith is essential to Christianity. Faith is the very heart of our faith. And here's why it's so important. What you believe about God, what you believe about Jesus, what you believe about the Bible, and even about yourself shapes your life. The things that you believe determine the emotions that you experience every day. The things that you believe, things you really believe, determine the choices that you make. So let's begin with this definition of faith from the Bible. This is from Hebrews chapter 11. It says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. And this passage goes on to say this about faith. Without faith, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why? Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, there are people who believe that faith is the opposite of reason. I remember 
having a conversation with someone who told me that, you know, in order to become a Christian, you have to check your brain. But that is absolutely not the case. The truth is that in many ways, faith is dependent on reason. For instance, you consider the way that our bodies are created. Now, we know that we have all these systems in our bodies. We have a nervous system and a respiratory system and a circulatory system, and all these systems are fully integrated. Our cells, every single cell in your body, possesses this elegant genetic code. It's called DNA. Your eye functions like a sophisticated camera. Your foot, the bone structure of your foot, is an engineering marvel. So when we look at our bodies, reason clearly leads us to believe that, that we came into existence through intelligent design. And of course that makes sense because how can you have design without a designer? And this designer, this God who made us, reveals himself to us in different ways. He reveals himself to us through the things that he's made. Creation speaks about God and about his, his attributes. And God also reveals himself to us in this book. What do we call this book? The Bible. God reveals himself there, but God also reveals himself in the person of Jesus Christ, whose birth we celebrate at Christmas time. So faith in God clearly depends on reason, and that, that makes sense because God commands us not just to love him with all of our heart, but with all of our what? Our mind. You see, there is compelling historical evidence for the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Christianity is a reasonable faith. However, and this is really important, the Christian faith goes beyond the bounds of reason. And even that statement is reasonable because if God is infinite and we are finite, how could we possibly understand him and his ways completely? The fact is that God calls us to live by a faith that depends on reason and at the same time to live by a faith that transcends reason. The Bible says that as followers of Christ, we walk by faith and not just by sight. And that brings us to this next question on your outline. What causes a crisis of faith? And here's the answer. Something happens in your life or in the life of somebody that you love that challenges what you believe about God. Something that you don't understand, something that hurts you deeply, something that makes you doubt that God is in charge, that God cares, or that God is even there. And, and let me say this to our students who are here, our middle and high school students. You know, sometimes when you... Um, grow up in a church environment and you're around people who are Christians, um, you feel like you're expected to believe everything that they believe. Um, some of you have grown up in a Christian home and you may feel like, well, I'm supposed to believe what my mom and my dad believe. But here's the reality. You have to work out your faith for yourself. You have to decide what you believe is true and you have to decide if you're going to follow Jesus and trust him with your life. And let me say this. It is normal to have doubts. It is normal to have questions for which there seems to be no answer. In fact, the Bible says that sometimes God intentionally will test our faith. So today I want to share a story with you about a crisis of faith. It involves a teenage girl and her fiancé. For many of you, this is a very familiar story. But I want you to do this. I want you to see it with new eyes. Because this story can help us understand how God wants us to deal with with our doubts, how to deal with a crisis of faith. And, and this may be true for you. Maybe this morning, you know, looking back, you've been through a crisis of faith and you emerged with your faith even stronger. Maybe this morning you're going through a crisis of faith because of what's happening in your life. Or it could be that there is a crisis of faith right around the corner. And so this morning, wherever you are, whatever your situation might be, 
I hope that this will be helpful in understanding how God wants us to deal with those doubts and with a crisis of faith. So here's the first thing, the first key, and this is on your outline. Well, let me do this before I do that. Let me share these verses from Matthew's biography of Jesus. And if you've got one of the Bibles that we've provided for you, this is on page 783. It's Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to begin with verse 18. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, I suspect that when Joseph first discovers that Mary is pregnant, he really has a lot of doubts. He really has a crisis of faith because obviously he doesn't know whether to believe Mary or not. And we, we know that because it says in this passage that he is planning to divorce her. Now, in the Jewish culture, engagement was taken so seriously that the only way to break an engagement was through divorce. But in this story, their engagement is not the only thing that appears to be broken. Clearly, Joseph has a broken heart. I mean, how could Mary do this to him? And not only that, imagine Joseph struggling to, to somehow understand what he's been told. This child is some kind of supernatural conception. This is the son of God. Now, clearly, Joseph is facing this crisis of faith. And the question is, how does he deal with it? How do we deal with the crisis of faith, those times when there's the accident or the divorce or the illness or the, the loss of somebody that we love. Now, whatever your situation is this morning in dealing with a crisis of faith, here is the first key. Believe that God has a purpose for your pain. Believe that God has a purpose for your pain. Did God have a purpose for the emotional pain that came into Joseph's life when he found out that Mary was pregnant? What do you think? Did God have a purpose for that? Well, absolutely God did. did. Did Joseph understand it? Well, not at first, obviously. And it's possible that he never really understood it because tradition tells us that, that Joseph died sometime when Jesus was a teenager. And what about Mary? Did God have a purpose for the pain that poured into Mary's life? The pain of ridicule, the pain of rejection? Well, we know that God did. And what about Jesus himself? What about the physical pain, the emotional pain, the spiritual pain that Jesus experienced? Did God have a purpose for the pain that he allowed to come into the life of his own son? The Bible's real clear about this. And here's, here's the answer. Yes, God had a purpose for that pain. How do we know that for sure? Well, there was an event that takes place in the life of Jesus. It's something that happened on top of a mountain where Jesus revealed his identity to his three closest disciples, Peter, James, and John. And this is called the transfiguration. It's as if Jesus just pulls back this body and shows his divinity. He shows his disciples the glory of God. Now, this is a passage from Luke chapter 9. It says this, There were Moses and Elijah who appeared in heavenly glory and talked with Jesus. And notice what they're talking about, about the way in which he would soon fulfill God's purpose by dying in Jerusalem. Jesus Christ was never a victim of circumstance. 
His arrest, his beating, his crucifixion was according to the purpose of God. So what does that mean for us? Whenever pain pours into the life of a child of God, God always has a purpose for it. And sometimes we get a glimpse of that purpose. You know, sometimes looking back, we realize the reason God let pain come into our lives was simply to get our attention. Have you ever experienced that? You know, C.S. Lewis said this one time. He said that pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. God can use pain to get our attention. But there are times when pain comes into our life and we have no idea why God allows it. And it's during those times that we need to remember this next principle. And it's simply this, lean on God's wisdom rather than on your own. Trust God's wisdom, lean on his wisdom rather than your own. Look at this verse from the book of Proverbs. It says this, trust in the Lord with most of your heart. What does it say, church? All of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding because if you do, you will certainly what? You'll fall down. Now, when, like Joseph, we find ourselves in the middle of circumstances that we don't understand, God wants us to trust his wisdom and not ours. And here's the reason. Because faith can overcome our fear. Faith can overcome our fear. And that's really important. In fact, that's the next thing on your outline this morning. We need to refuse to give in to fear. When that crisis of faith comes, we need to trust God and not give in to fear. Now, in this story, look at this verse. It says this. This is the angel speaking to Joseph. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Now, what is Joseph afraid of? Well, I'm sure he's afraid that Mary's not telling him the truth. He's probably afraid because he has no idea what the future holds because God has really messed up their plans. At this point, Joseph really has to make a choice, doesn't he? He has to... Either trust what God is saying, as crazy as it sounds, or depend on his own limited understanding and wisdom. And isn't that the choice before us as well when we face a crisis of faith? We can try to figure it out according to our own perspective and wisdom and knowledge, or we can believe that what God says is true. When God tells us, think about this, when God tells us in the Bible that he is completely in charge of everything, and it doesn't look that way, because often in our world, isn't that the case? I mean, we've been told that God's in charge. Does it ever look like God's not in charge? Yes, it does. So the question is, do we believe, despite all evidence to the contrary, that God really is sovereign? Or what about this? God tells us in his word that he loves us. Jesus says, for God so loved the world, but there are times when it doesn't feel like God loves you because of the pain that's poured into your life. And you have a choice. Do you believe what God says, or do you believe what your own heart is telling you. And consider this, one of, one of the fears that we have when we go through a crisis is this, that we're gonna have to face that crisis alone. I'm sure that was in Joseph and Mary's thoughts because, you know, what if we get a divorce and then, you know, we fell in love and, and now we don't know what's gonna happen. We have a, a group of people in our church that are being trained for a very important ministry. It's called Stephen Ministry. And, and that ministry is designed to have someone come alongside you when you're going through a crisis, and in particular, a crisis of faith. Because God does not want us to go through that experience alone. And think about, about Mary and Joseph and how they might have leaned on each other. Can you imagine Joseph talking to Mary and, and Mary says, Joseph, I, I just, I don't think I can do this. This is too hard. 
And Joseph puts his arm around her and says, Mary, yes, you can. God's going to get us through this. You know, I'm really thankful this morning um, that I have a believing wife. And if you have a believing spouse this morning, that's something that you should be incredibly thankful for. Because I know this, there have been times when my faith was weak. um, And Chris said something to me, my wife Chris, that really encouraged me and enabled me to keep on going. And that's exactly what God wants to happen. And thinking about marriage in particular, marriage is an opportunity for faith because sometimes, sometimes, you doubt that your marriage is going to make it and you need faith. Sometimes you doubt that your kids are going to make it and you need faith. Sometimes you doubt that you're going to make it and you need faith. But not faith in yourself, not even faith in your spouse, but faith in God. A God who is, as the scripture says, this this sovereign sentinel who stands guard at the gate of your life. If you're a child of God, God is standing guard at the gate of your life. And God only allows in the things that he can use for your eventual good or for his glory. And friends, that's why it's so important that as followers of Jesus Christ, we really nurture our faith. Because your faith not only benefits you, it benefits the people that you love as well. Look at this verse from the book of Galatians. It says this, share each other's troubles and problems and in this way, obey the law of Christ, which is simply to love one another. Well, let me give you one more key in dealing with the crisis of faith. It's number four. It says this, obey God's instructions. Obey God's instructions. Um, Following instructions can be very important. I read an article this week about some warnings, um, some instructions that are included on the items we buy. And of course, these instructions and warnings are designed to protect us as well as to minimize lawsuits. And here are some examples. Um, This was actually on a baby stroller. It said this, remove child before folding. That's always a a good idea, don't you think? Here's another. This was on a cartridge for a laser printer. It said, do not eat toner. And uh, here's another. This was on an electric router. It said this, this product is not intended for use as a dental drill. (laughs) You wouldn't think you'd have to write that. Or here's, this is actually one of my favorites. This was on a fishing lure. You know what a fishing lure is, right? With all the hooks hanging out and all that. It says, harmful if swallowed. (laughs) Now listen, just as manufacturers include warnings and instructions for the protection of their customers, God provides instructions that protect us, especially in times of crisis. Now you know this is a Bible, spelled B-I-B-L-E, and here's what that acronym stands for, at least what someone said that it stood for, basic instructions before leaving earth. There are all kinds of instructions in this book that are incredibly helpful, especially when we face a crisis in our lives, a crisis of faith. Now, when Joseph faces a crisis in his life, God gives him some very clear instructions. God tells him exactly what to do. So how does Joseph respond? Well, look at this verse. This is verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph decides to trust God and to follow his instructions. So what do you do? What do I do when we face a financial crisis? Same thing. Trust God and follow his instructions. What do you do when there's a crisis with your child or in your marriage? You trust God and follow his instructions. What do you do when you face a crisis of faith? 
You trust God and you follow his instructions. And church, realize this. God's instructions may contradict the advice of a friend. God's instructions may contradict what you read in a self-help book or even what you hear from Dr. Phil. Now, God's instructions sometimes may be the exact opposite of what you feel like doing. Joseph may not have felt like taking Mary home as his wife when the angel told him to do that, but we know that he obeyed. And listen carefully, God was pleased by Joseph's obedience. And God carried out his purpose through Joseph's obedience. And that is true for us. When we listen to God, when we follow his instructions, God is not only pleased, but we provide an opportunity for God to carry out his purpose through our obedience. Many of you know that our, our stewardship campaign that we've had the last month or so is called Our Foundation, Our Faith, Our Future. And it's centered on Jesus because Jesus really is the foundation for our lives. Our foundation is on Christ, our faith is in Christ, and our future is with Christ. And the Bible is clear about this, that our faith in Jesus always is demonstrated by what we do. With that in mind, I wanted to share some information with you this morning about our campaign. Many of you know that in the last several weeks on Sunday mornings, we handed out information packets. And during those weeks, we had 93 families in our church that took those information packets. And as of last week, 75 families had made a pledge to our campaign. And I'm encouraged by that because that's about 80% of the people who took that information actually responded by making a pledge. As of last Sunday, the total amount pledged to our campaign was $451,000. And here's what that means. First of all, before the campaign began, we had two large gifts to our church which totaled over a million dollars. The total cost for building the additional ministry space is about $1.5 million. And so we have the funds necessary to build the addition and we want to begin construction in January. Secondly, we also want to refinance our current debt of approximately $1.5 million at a lower interest rate, and this will mean a substantial saving on our monthly mortgage payment. And then thirdly, we want to continue pursuing this goal of a debt-free ministry by inviting those to become members of our church in the future to be a part of our campaign. And church, let me say this. I am so incredibly thankful for each one of you who has supported the ministry and the mission of our church with your time and with your talents, and with your financial resources. And this campaign really will enable us to reach many more families and to extend the work of God's kingdom. And I know this, I know that God is pleased when we take a step of faith and trust him to guide us and to provide for us. Let me close with this thought from our story this morning. Joseph was a man who lived in faith, and as far as we know, he was a man who died in faith as well. As I pointed out earlier, tradition tells us that Joseph died sometime when Jesus was a teenager. And that means that Joseph never saw Jesus carry out his mission. He never saw Jesus preach or do a miracle. And yet I think about this, that, that Joseph must have pondered that message from the angel about this baby. You will, you will give him the name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And think about all the times that Joseph would have said the name Jesus. Hey, Jesus, uh, ha hand me that hammer. Hey, Jesus, go help your mom. Jesus, good night, son. I love you. I think about not only Joseph, but so many of God's people who had this promise that someday a Savior would be born. 
And by faith, they believed that promise. But they died never seeing that promise fulfilled. And yet, they always believed that God could be trusted. Now, what does that mean for us? Well, church, realize this, that we, we live at a unique time in history. Jesus Christ has already come to our world. That's what we celebrate at Christmas time, that Jesus entered time and space, that he became one of us, that he lived a perfect life, that he went to a cross and died in our place, and that he rose from the dead. But there is an event down the road here, a future event that God has promised would take place, and it is the return of Jesus Christ. And we know this, when Jesus comes back, this is gonna be an entirely different world. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. All the things that are broken in this world will be restored and renewed. Jesus is going to return and make all things new. And why is that important? Because our world's a mess. You know, so many of us have been listening to the news reports from what happened in California, the shooting there. And we realize that there's, there's this clash of ideologies in our world between Islam and Christianity. And people wonder, where is history headed? Well, I'll tell you where it's heading. It's heading to a victory in Jesus Christ. And because we are followers of Jesus Christ, we will share in that victory. And because of that, we can live with hope and we can live with faith. And here's why that is so important. Because you have a choice. You can live in fear or you can live in faith. And I know this from talking to so many people and from the experience of my own life and my own family that so many times there is this undercurrent of fear that we deal with all the time. Sometimes it's this, this low level of anxiety and we can be anxious about so many things. You know, sometimes people are anxious because they think, well, you know, what if I lose my job? What if I lose my business? What if I go bankrupt? And that subroutine is kind of always playing in the background. And there are other people who are just afraid all the time that they're not going to be accepted, that they're not going to live up to expectations that other people have. There are people that are afraid that their marriage is going to fall apart, afraid that, that their children are just going to make bad choices that are, you know, irrecoverable. Um, there are people who are afraid to go to the doctor because they're afraid of bad news they might get. And there are people who, who watch what's happened around the world with these terrorist attacks, and they wonder, can it happen here? Can it happen to me? And church, here's what I want you to understand. God does not want his children to live in fear. Now, how do I know that? Because 365 times in the Bible, there are two words. It's a command, and you know what it is. Fear what? Fear not. One command for every day of the year. Fear not. Now, how do you find this freedom from fear? And here's the answer. You choose to live in faith. Each day, you choose to live in faith. Now, look at these two questions on your outline. Two very important questions. First of all, and these are questions you can ask God. God, what do I need to believe today? What do I need to believe about you, God? Do, do I really believe that you're in charge? Do I really believe that you're there and that you care about me? And here's the second question, what do I need to do today? Because remember this, that your faith is always demonstrated by what you choose to do. Now church, today we've, we've come to celebrate the greatest story of faith ever told. Jesus perfectly obeyed his father, which means that Jesus perfectly trusted his father. And like us, his faith was tested. In the wilderness, Jesus was tempted by Satan to abort his mission but he trusted his father and pressed on. When Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, he prayed and said, Father, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And even on the cross, as he was dying, Jesus said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. 
And so we see from the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ this fact that despite the pain and the suffering in the world, despite the pain and the suffering in your life, we have a God who can be trusted completely. The question is, do you really believe that? Let's pray. Father, this morning, I want to thank you so much for this story that, that you've preserved for us to, to read and to study the story of Joseph and his crisis of faith. And Lord, the truth is that there are times when all of us struggle with doubt. And Lord, we sometimes struggle with discouragement and, and disobedience, but we know that despite that, that you still love us, God, and you're still in charge. Not just of our lives, but this entire universe. And God, this morning, as we celebrate Christmas, as we look back and know that Jesus entered time and space and, and laid down his life for us, God, we can look ahead and know for certain that Jesus is coming back. And, and God, someday this, this healing that we so desperately need will be complete. Our hope will be made full, just like our joy and our peace. But God, today, as we, as we live in this broken world, I pray that you would give us the faith to live without fear, the faith to really trust you and believe in Jesus. For we pray in his name, amen.